1: Welcome back, everybody, to the Important Nonsense Podcast. 32 teams in 32 days. Wrapping up, wrapping up, breaking down every NFL team uh, for you for your 2021 NFL season. Getting you ready. My name's Neil Smith, joined as always by Steve Bonham.
0: Hello, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel here.
1: We can. I just don't know if it's a train or if it's the actual end of the tunnel. And uh, Both. Both. Okay, good, good. Well, either way. Uh, Today is August the 28th, so if anything we get into is going to sound a little bit dated to you, check out the wrap-up show, which should be dropping on 9-4, right before uh, draft weekend. So if we need to update any takes, check that out, and uh, we'll be whipping through just the myriad of NFL things that have happened between when we started this project and as we pivot here to wrapping it up. And check us out at ImportantNonsense.com and ImportantNonsense.com slash Patreon for $1 one little dollar a month you can actually get access to our discord chat with steve chat with myself chat with all of our staff take your life into your hands talk about stefan Diggs in a negative way to angry aiden go on do it i dare you <laughs> uh it'll be entertaining but if you have questions about your team tell them that wanna...
0: juju smith schuster is a better wide receiver and watch your day disappear
1: oh do that oh man can you do that in open forum please i will uh, get my popcorn ready but the uh Chat with chat with anybody. If you have questions about your lineup, if you have questions about trades you're evaluating, or you just want to talk about football with uh, kind of like-minded individuals, hit us up. We'll be happy to we'll be happy to chat it up with you. And we'll also be referencing our own Pro Tools as always. We'll be referencing the Fantasy Pros ECR. We'll probably talk about some underdog uh, underdog best ball at some point along the way there. Hit that up with uh, promo code nonsense if you want to grab a couple last minute best balls before we get rolling here properly. And with that, we're going to sit here, Steve. We're going to sit down today and talk about San Francisco, which should be should be pretty entertaining because, you know, unlike in previous years, so far, we haven't had to go through the huge laundry list of injuries that has plagued this team for the last couple of years. years. Uh, San Francisco has kind of been snake bit recently, where as we roll forward in the last two years, really. They've been dealing with significant injuries, and for this season, for 2021, the vast majority of the team is actually going to be healthy, offense and defense. So that's going to be a little bit of a change. What hasn't changed yet is who's playing quarterback. It's still the face himself, Jimmy Garoppolo. If you haven't ever seen what Jimmy Garoppolo looks like, your wife certainly has
0: I also like how you just put it out there in the universe that they're healthy, like way to just jinx the entire team. Wow.
1: Well, you know, if they can't withstand that one little comment, then frankly, that was probably going to happen anyway.
0: So they had it coming.
1: They had that coming. I don't think I can curse them harder than they've already been cursed the last couple of years. So as I referenced, Jimmy Garoppolo still there projects to be the starter. He's still entrenched with them who he's been taking all the snaps for the most part with the ones however there is a little bit more in the way of a question mark around this because in the draft they actually went out and signed fantasy industry darling trey lance so trey lance for those of you who may not have seen it because why would you in college <laughs> played at north dakota state So you would have had to have probably lived in North Dakota to have realistically seen him play any of his college games, but he came in, was very highly graded through the entire combine and a draft, you know, pre-draft process. He's very raw, but he is an incredibly gifted athlete and he projects to be one of these Konami code quarterbacks that we spend so much time talking about. So because of that, it has caused an interesting kind of ripple effect in the whole QB room. So. Steve, I know I know you, uh, you typically really like these Konami code guys, right? Because why wouldn't you? There's only a handful of them, and it really makes sense to get one of them when they're of value because you could actually realistically win your league by doing so when these guys are young and if they come in. But Jimmy Garoppolo still starting kind of throws a wrench into some of that. So h- how do you feel about rostering, frankly, anything in the San Francisco quarterback room?
0: I'm fine taking a dart throw on Lance late. We talked about him in the draft process that he's a guy, like you said, went to North Dakota state. He had a huge year, two years ago. It's a division two school. So they won the division two championship and he had a huge season, put up big numbers, both in the air and on the ground. Last year, he played half of one game and then sat out the rest of the season, opted out the rest of the year because of COVID and because he wanted to keep his draft prospects as high as they were. Can't blame him for that. So he ends up going number three to San Francisco to be the heir apparent to Jimmy Garoppolo. And it's the the comparables, like his size, his athleticism, it really makes you think of Colin Kaepernick. And it 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 brings it even more to the forefront because it's San Francisco he ended up with, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. But This is a situation where I believe Garoppolo is the starter. At the beginning of this, we said he was going to sit for most of the year. Then it became, well, maybe he only sits for half the year. And as we have it projected right now, I've got Garoppolo for six games and Trey Lance for the other 11. So we'll see how long they stick around with Garoppolo. And the biggest issue with him has been how long can he stay healthy? If Jimmy Garoppolo can't stay healthy, then it's Trey Lance's job pretty much immediately. And remember what happened, uh, again, just bringing back up Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick was not the starter. Colin Kaepernick was the backup to both Jason Campbell and Alex Smith. And Alex Smith got hurt, and then Jason Campbell got hurt, and and then Kaepernick was thrown into the fire and uh, just played so well that he just never gave the job back. And that's going to be, I believe, a similar situation here.
1: I'm right there with you on just about all of that. I actually, when we sat down in May to do this, I had Garoppolo projected as the starter for the entire year. I've amended it similarly. I think basically you're looking at a range of six to eight games of Garoppolo at this point, whether he gets hurt or not. The only way that that Garoppolo could make it through the entire season at this point, in my eyes, is if he actually manages to not get hurt and he's able to pilot that team. To a significant winning record, and they don't want to make a change. But much like in the way of Colin Kaepernick, when you have when you have a a player of that caliber in Lance sitting behind you, a, an individual that was drafted by this regime, anything in the way of mistakes, anything in the way of sloppy play, or anything in the way of injury, is probably the end of of uh, Garoppolo's time with this team. Now, I don't think he'll be out of the league necessarily. I think he'll end up, you know, finding a home somewhere else, either either next year or possibly in some sort of trade, but anything negative happens and it's going to be Trey Lance the rest of the way. And they're going to roll with it.
0: And I could see why if you're looking to, for an NFL comp, I like to say that Trey Lance is kind of a reverse Josh Allen. Uh, He has the exact same rush ability and he has a huge, accurate, deep arm, but his underneath stuff, is what he has to work on. Hitting the crisp routes and leading receivers, which is basically the only thing that Josh Allen does well. Right. he He can chuck the ball far, just very inaccurate. And Lance is the reverse. He's got to work on the underneath, but he's very accurate when he throws the deep ball.
1: Yeah, and Lance makes a lot of sense in terms of a... I'll just say this. I totally understand why Shanahan and company would really want a guy like Lance, because he on paper fits exactly what they're trying to do. He's mobile. He can get out of the pocket. He can take take the deep shots. And to what you just said, if he can clean up some of the accuracy issues underneath, he'll be able to do everything that that offense will ask him to do. So he he on paper is a really great choice for them for, for a lot of real NFL reasons. And if it wasn't for Garoppolo and Trey Lance was actually going to be the starter for the whole year, he wouldn't be coming in at quarterback 20 in ADP. He'd be, he'd be up there with the, the Hertz's of the world. And it's depends too. Not- He's
0: 20 on ESPN. He's 16 on sleeper. So it, it just depends on where it is you're drafting. But for the most part, you're looking at someone that would be your QB two. And as Neil and I were talking about it off air, I would say that Trey Lance is a great guy. If you've got a Mahomes, a Murray, a Dak, and you want a QB two for a, quarterback that you don't necessarily need one
1: someone that you'd be okay waiting around to see if it if it cashes because it might be worth your time at that point you don't really need like a floor backup if you have a quarterback on your roster that high already so you're not drafting jimmy garoppolo and trey lance at his current adp would likely be worth it and not a crazy move to the right to the right person so The other nice thing about this is I don't think either one of them will play poorly enough to crater out any of the skill position guys. And speaking of skill position guys, let's just get right into it. There's not that much to say in all reality. The guy you're most concerned about from a skill position uh, as it relates to the 49ers would be George Kittle, right? That's the guy. He's number three at tight end. He's number three at tight end for... He's either two or three, depending on where you're looking. There's not a whole lot of analysis. We've all seen George Kittle play. He's a monster when he's out there. He's been dealing with injuries the last couple seasons. So it's sort of messed up his fantasy prospects and his career the last couple of years. But he's healthy. He's out there. He's been going through the training camp and preseason process. I'm not worried about him getting re-injured in a way that I would be worried about it outside of like just anybody within the NFL, right? Everybody, if you play in the NFL, you're at risk to get injured. So do you feel differently about that, Steve? Are you a little concerned about Kittle and his rehab or anything like that, or is it just wheels up?
0: Uh, no. For me, it's it's wheels up on Kittle.
1: So that's really it, folks. There's not too much analysis there. George Kittle's a monster. If he, If you want one of these blue chip tight ends, I wouldn't be afraid of it. And at his current ADP, I mean, it's a relatively fair price point for what you should theoretically be getting. So I wouldn't spend too much time, right?
0: And that's the thing too. It depends. We've talked about it several times over now. Well, yeah, basically any time tight ends come up, right? It's the big three: it's Waller, Kelsey, and Kittle. Mm-hmm. And right now, Kelsey's going at pick eight overall, and he's going uh, in the first round, obviously. Uh, but he's going twenty f- or Waller is going twenty five, Kittle is going twenty four. So you're looking at the back end of the first round or the second round. So if you had that number one overall pick, number two overall pick, that's kind of where it is. And then you've got Pitts, Andrews, and Hawkinson going basically two rounds after that, end of the fourth, beginning of the fifth. So it all just depends on when you want to take that premier tight end. Again, when you go by points and if you're looking at you know uh, what we do here with PPR, We've got George Kittle projected out for 263 fantasy points. That 263 fantasy points is the same as Allen Robinson, who's our wide receiver six. Mm -hmm. So if you get any of those top three tight ends, it's essentially the same as getting a top five wide receiver, but you just start them at a different spot in your starting lineup. That's all it is.
1: Exactly, and,
0: and there's so much depth at wide receiver to backfill those other positions. I'd rather backfill those other wide receiver positions than I would try to backfill tight end. As we've talked about several times, it just, it becomes a dart throw after those top three.
1: Yeah, and it gets, and then you, you get into some really expensive dart throws with some of the guys you rattled off there. Even with the Andrews and Pittses and Goddards of the world, so those are expensive dart throws. But if you want some cheaper dart throws, you're waiting all the way until like the 14th round, and picking up Eric Ebron, aka dropping his prime or something like that, which can't even hold a candle to George Kittle. So it's, if you want one of these premier tight ends, you're gonna have to spend up for that. I think you and I would both say, hey, I'm fine with it. But I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't be fine with it, though, if it was a Mark Andrews or something like that. I'd be less fine with it in the in like the fourth round. I'd rather probably go yeah. back looking at wide receivers.
0: Yeah, it's so, all a philosophy thing. Again, to me, if I'm in the back end of the first round, I consider Kelsey, depending on what else is on the board. Mm-hmm. But at eight overall, just, that just doesn't make sense to me. It's just yeah. not a logical pick. No, there's too many running
1: backs and wide receivers that I'd rather have.
0: Even though it's not a solidified top five running back option, I'd still rather have one of my running backs ranked six through 12 in the first round than I would to get a tight end.
1: I'd rather have Najee Harris right there. It would be my the name that jumps off the page Mm -hmm. because it's like I could I I know what I'm getting and I'm getting I'm getting some real some real certainty at a position. Well,
0: in PPR, I mean, you could get Austin Eckler. Sure. At the number eight spot theoretically. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I mean, or you could get Stefan Diggs or Devontae Adams or DeAndre Hopkins, who you know top-tier wide receiver that's gonna dominate targets, and then you could get Waller or Kittle in the third round, maybe when it comes back around. Like there's More like no way Waller, but yes. Yeah. There, there's no way that uh that that you can in my mind justify spending your first round pick on a tight end. And, and like no. the team you come out with.
1: No, and when you actually mock that out, too, you find I find that when I actually attempt that, I come out thin at one of the other skill positions, yeah. which I don't want to deal with. Every
0: but- time I have tried to do that with Ke- with Kelsey, I have found I just hate the team that falls in line behind him. And more importantly, I've said this several times over, and I feel like it needs to be said publicly as well, just as a reminder. Like, look, we always say, Get a top three tight end or you wait on the position. And if you can get a decent top end QB, do it at a reasonable price, but otherwise you're waiting. You can take a top-tier top end quarterback or you can take a top end tight end early. Cannot do both. It just it makes you so thin if you spend your first round pick on Kelsey, for example, and then you say, Oh, I gotta have the stack, and you get Mahomes in the third round you're just so thin at running back and wide receiver that no matter what those guys are going to give you, you're not competitive enough in that league for it to matter.
1: Yeah. And you're really thin. If you take one injury at that point, you're really going to be looking down the weekly possibility of starting like a bench guy that you really don't want. And at that point it defeats the purpose because you'll still realize the extra value from your tight end and your quarterback, as long as they remain healthy, but you're going to have to play some flexes where you realistically, your ceiling is like an eight, And at that point, you've lost all value that you would have gained by spending up on the tight end and quarterback. So you just you just end up kind of going in a circle and it just it isn't worth it. You don't you don't ever come out of it with a team that that we would be recommending. You won't be happy, especially during bye weeks or if you take an injury or something like that. It's you're not going to be able to recover from it in a clean manner. So beyond that. They've got, they've got, they do have some other players that we should probably whip through here. So let's, let's pivot away from, from the tight end room and let's go into other pass catchers with wide receiver because they still, they still have Debo Samuel who is back from his own injury concerns. As we referenced, they've had a lot of them. So Debo Samuel is back. He is ostensibly healthy and he in previous years was viewed as the wide receiver one for the 49ers. Now I'm here to tell you that I don't think that that was ever properly accurate but it's not and it's not accurate now but he's back and he's going to be on the field and I'm sure that the 49er organization is happy for that because they've got a depth issue with this position. They have Brandon Ayuk who they drafted last year and played really well, got a got a lot more opportunity than he probably otherwise would have if Debo would have stayed healthy, but with the Debo injury Brandon Ayuk gets pressed into service and he looked great. He's a fast player out of Arizona state and he's got some route running ability. He can run down the field, but his major value is the short and intermediate stuff, but also critically the carries. As we know, the Shanahan tree is not afraid to give wide receivers carries. And so part of the reason they drafted him was to do that. Devo Samuel also does that when he's available. So they have two guys who are a threat to catch the ball, but also to take end rounds and screens and things like that try and make a person miss and take off. Brandon Ayuk made a lot of hay for people last year by doing just that. And frankly, there's been a kind of a realignment with Debo being hurt. And just with how effective Brandon Ayuk was last year, he's going ahead of Debo Samuel. And I I think that's very much correct. I would be much more interested in Brandon Ayuk over Debo Samuel for my own personal rankings and how I view this team. But I'll kick it over to you, Steve. Are you seeing that the same way where it's, Ioke is the one at this point and Debo is, has kind of been overturned. He's kind of the two.
0: Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with that. It it's the same thing where Debo got all that hype two years ago, when George Kittle was hurt. Yes. And all the targets went to Debo because he was literally the last man standing. It was a Tyler Boyd situation. It was a massive amount of targets because there was literally no option. And then they brought in Emmanuel Sanders in the trade. And all of a sudden it was a 50, 50 split. So the only time that Debo was actually the one on the team was when there was literally no one else. That's it. So Debo is the two and the rest of this room, Richie James, Muhammad, Sanu, Jalen Hurd, Trent Sherfield, just a bunch of guys.
1: No, none of it matters. And and Richie James even now is dealing with an injury. So he matters even less.
0: Right. I think it just solidifies Sanu's spot on the team as the third guy. But even then, I don't care. The one on this team is George Kittle, undisputed. I think the the 1B or the 2 is Brandon Ayuk, and then it's Debo. And I think Ayuk right now is 24. Yes, he's 24 in the ECR, and Debo is 34. And they're both going in line with that in their ADP. I've really struggled on this one because Ayuk is a guy that is graded out really well. He's highly rated and qualified everywhere, especially in dynasty formats. And he has the potential to be a breakout candidate this season. If he's the one and stays healthy all year, especially with Trey Lance, when he comes in Mm -hmm. or uh, Brandon Ayuk could absolutely finish as a top 12 wide receiver this season. I have him ranked at 26. I can't bring myself to rank him any higher just because wide receiver is so deep. But if you're looking to take a shot on a guy that has massive upside, I think Brandon Iok is definitely the guy to target. I have him at
1: 25 and I've struggled to put him any higher than that. Right. But as you know, I was very vocal about Brandon Iook when he came into the league last year and for dynasty leagues, because I was, I've been a big believer for a long time. And he's perfect. It's also the landing spot. He's yeah. in the perfect spot. This is where he needed to go to this hit. Is his little, yeah. well, like what I'm
0: talking about is when we say that, like, Oh, we've got him at 25, 26 back end wide receiver too. It's because the guys that are directly ahead of him are like Adam Thielen, Tyler, Lockett, yes. Chris Godwin, Deontay Johnson, Kenny Galladay, Julio, CD lamb, like guys that have established roles that are very talented that I can't justify saying, oh, Brandon Ayuk on a team who we don't know the quarterback that historically does not pass the ball a ton and he's going to be second in targets to a tight end. It's very difficult to say that he's going to, automatically leapfrog all of those guys. So I'm just more comfortable taking him a little bit later.
1: I'm with you, but if somebody wants to take him at 24 at that, at that Mm -hmm. number you referenced a minute ago, I'm good with it.
0: If you want to take him at 20, you go right ahead. I mean, I'm not gonna gonna argue with it.
1: It's totally fine as far as I'm concerned and it's more it's Debo more, is the
0: one that I would. Argue
1: that's th- so that's, that's where I was going to go right now actually is we're all more or less in alignment. Brandon Iook is the one you want out of the yeah. wide receiver room. And it is relative ADP. If you want to go for it at that point, I'm not going to say one word to you. And actually yeah. I totally get it because the upside that you, that you referenced is absolutely there. Debo is the one that I have a lot of concerns about for largely what you just laid out. He's going to be the second wide receiver, third target getter, and you're going to you're gonna have to invest in the 30s on a team that doesn't have much volume, who we don't know who the quarterback is going to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm avoiding that for the yeah. most part.
0: Yeah, I've got Debo one spot ahead of Jacoby Myers at 49. And I think that just, that tells you everything you need to know right there. He's one of those guys that I don't see has a ceiling. It just, there's too many. In order for him to be a top 24, wide receiver. I'm not even talking about top 12. I'm saying to be sniffing the top 24, Ayuk has to get hurt. Kittle has to get hurt. And Lance needs to be the the quarterback. Like a lot of things have to break Debo Samuel's way for Debo Samuel to matter.
1: Yeah. And he's not, And as I referenced, he'll get carries and things like that. And that always pushes guys up, a.k.a. like Robert Woods, for example, Mm -hmm. as we referenced in the Rams show, but he's not going to get enough of them when he's sharing whatever carries are also there with Brandon Ayuk, because it's just, there's too much uncertainty around this for me. And I'm just avoiding it completely at that, at that relative ADP, if I can, I want to be out of it. I'm not interested. And I don't think anybody else should be either. So from there, and as we referenced, there's no one else to discuss. Uh, in the wide receiver room. It's just those two guys. And we would, we would be flatly telling you really it's one wide receiver that you should yeah. be interested in. And, uh, and then from there we go directly into the Shanahan car wash at running back. Cause it's always a car wash folks. And this year will be no different. They have a smattering of guys that they always have. The first guy through the shoot will be Raheem Mostert Raheem must start for some people. And he injury prone is not really a thing, right? As we, as we talk about, but he has dealt with some significant injuries and he's not exactly 100% healthy even right now as we sit here and talk about it. So it's it's hard for me to get overly excited about Raheem Mostert. But just to round out the room, they have Jeff Wilson, who's also already dealing with injuries. He's on the pup list. He's not even going to be available until week seven. Uh, they have Elijah Mitchell who's hanging around there. But the big one, the one that people are very interested in is rookie Trey Sermon. So he came in in this year's draft. He's he was a highly touted prospect for a lot of people. And when he went to San Francisco, there were a lot of industry folks who came out of the woodwork saying, hey, you know, he's going to get an opportunity here because the Shanahan tree isn't necessarily opposed to playing rookies and it's going to be a committee. So he'll likely get out there pretty much from day one. And I think they're also building in the idea that Raheem Mostert dealing with that many injuries there's probably going to be even an even greater opportunity, but I'm curious, Steve, is any of this does any of this excite you at all? Anything that I just li- listed off?
0: Uh, well, the problem is we talked about it in the draft. I think Trey Sermon is a great pass catching back. He really reminds me of just younger Raheem Monster. I think he fits into this system really well. I think that he brings a lot to the table and can be very effective. The problem for me is that not everywhere, but in some circles, Trey Sermon has just been hyped to oblivion. Hyped up to a point where I can't be interested. Now, if you look at current ADP, he's going RB39 on ESPN and 32 on Sleeper. So you're looking at 106 overall. So you can still get Trey Sermon relatively later, get him as your third or fourth running back, and I'm completely fine doing that. I think he has a world of upside could finish as a top 24 back if he had a majority of the job. And you mentioned the guys behind him. You're talking about Wayne Gallman, You're talking about Elijah Mitchell, another rookie Jeff Wilson will be coming back from injury, but he's already hurt. And then Mostert has been in and out of the lineup for years. So Sermon is a guy that if he has a huge role, 60% of that committee, he could be a top 24 back long-term so yeah, it's someone I'm interested in if I can get him at a reasonable price, but I also don't want to overpay for it.
1: And that really, that puts a fine point on it right there. I don't think we even need to spend too much more time on it because he's a rookie and we see this happen every year with certain rookies. They get hyped to oblivion and there is a jumping off point with Trey Sermon. I am not interested in Trey Sermon if he's going as something I have to realistically count on. And we do see that in certain drafts. I don't want to get into that situation. So I would be out there. But if you can get Trey Sermon at the relative ADP that Steve mentioned, the, the quote unquote fair price, then yes, I would be interested in rostering Trey Sermon at that point. What about Raheem Mostert? Because I would argue that he's the other one that people that as far as prepping people to draft, he's the other one that would get drafted. So are you concerned about Raheem Mostert in terms of like re-injury, losing his job, anything like that? Or is it, or are you okay rostering some Raheem Mostert this year
0: well it's the same thing right like anybody at the right price but for Raheem Mostert right now he's going as the starter at RB 28 he's going in the seventh round so you're really talking about him as your you know third maybe fourth running back for a guy that I feel like has the job for maybe half the season maybe And you're counting on him staying healthy and keeping that role, which I don't think he'll be able to do. So if you can get Mostert around the eighth, ninth, tenth round a a little bit later than his ADP, if their ADP is flipped, I would almost think it made a little bit more sense. But right now, Mostert is going at a price where I think you're paying for a guy that's probably on his way out.
1: Yeah, that's why I have Raheem Mostert in that. That grab bag of guys in the tier with your James Connors and your Jamal Williamses and your mm-hmm. your your Damian Harrises and your Kenyon Drakes and your Javante Williamses, because yeah. it's this it's a function of the same thing. It's all the guys.
0: Yeah, that I have Sermon they- at thirty and mostard at thirty four, because yep. I think Sermon has more upside, and I'm willing to. And like I said, right now ADP is twenty eight for Mostard. so I've got Sermon just a little bit behind that. Whereas Mostert is going just a little ahead of Sermon's ADP. So Yeah, and it just
1: depends on who you're drafting with, right? Mm-hmm. So if Trey Sermon, if people are are all over it and they're gonna try and take him at that RB twenty eight relative neighborhood, I don't want that either. I don't want either of these guys in that RB twenty-eight neighborhood. I would be fine with either of them in the mid thirties, though. Cause I think that's fair. I think that's what you're getting. They're 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 gonna share a job, at least what we can project. And one of them likely will emerge to, to get sixty roughly to that number you referenced before of the job. And then that one is the one who will matter. But I'm not paying up to the the RB28 price tag to invest in that because we just don't know. And then I think Jeff Wilson's an interesting one for the waiver wire later on, because as we've seen, there's always going to be a car wash. And in all likelihood, one of these guys will probably not finish the season. That would be historically accurate for the 49ers. So Jeff Wilson's a name to know for the waiver wire for about week seven, when we start getting into buys and things like that, when he can come back, at least for me, I know other people don't feel that way. I've seen enough flashes from Jeff Wilson to where if you wanted to waiver claim him, it's not the worst idea I've ever heard. But beyond that, there's nothing else. And so realistically, is there anybody else skill position wise that you'd like to talk about? Because I think that's really the ones that people would be drafting and would be considering looking at. No, that's it. Yeah. There's not much else to go through. So ro- so we'll close as we usually do with the defense. The defense actually has been very beat up the last two seasons and this year so far, they're actually looking like they're going to be bringing back what's left of their actual starting core. Cause they've lost some guys also over the last couple years to other and teams. It's
0: worth noting that Robert Sala, who's run that defense for a few years now is now the head coach in New York. So it
1: is worth bringing that up. So yes. And, uh, It's just not something I'm going to get overly invested in as Mm -hmm. far as the 49ers defense. Unfortunately, you don't have to because they're they're not—they're not—they're being drafted relatively high, so it's a concern. But I wouldn't want to draft them. I view them as like a streaming option because there will be some nice 49ers streaming option. Weeks for you. But any of those like Arizona games, yes, I'm staying far away from those. Yeah,
0: right now, San Francisco is going as the number six defense on both websites, which doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I'm not doing that. When you're playing, like, they have an easier schedule than because they finished fourth, but they have an easier schedule than others in the division, but they're still in the division. You're still playing that Rams offense twice, Arizona twice, Seattle twice. Like, it's you've got six games a year where you're guaranteed to want to steer clear.
1: Makes me yeah. not want to draft it at all, really. So, so yeah. I would avoid that as far as drafting. Let somebody else do it, and then they'll likely get cut, and you can pick them up off waivers at some point and spot start them. And then uh, they still have Robbie Gold, who I really wish would have come back to Chicago. That's just a personal aside. But Robbie Gold is Robbie Gold. He'll be good. Don't overpay for it. It's a kicker. Yep. That's yep. it. You. Can- so beyond that, what we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna break it there, and then tomorrow in the listening world. We'll be sitting down to talk about Tampa Bay. So tune in for that tomorrow, folks, and uh, have a great rest of your day.
0: Music for this podcast is provided by Lee Rosevere. I'm Tim Kitzer from NBA Jam and NFL Blitz. And you can find all the guys at ImportantNonsense.com. Kaboom!